Hi there, Catsuit. Hi there, Nookie. Wait, I wasn't expecting you right now. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to stop by and tell everyone about our event coming up Valentine's weekend. You mean the three-day education and social event focusing in on dating and relationships for kinky folks called the Kinky Dating Something Something and Love Blah 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 event? We've got great speakers lined up, including me. Yeah, also Lexi Silver, Zach Budd, Unruly Nerd Girl, and I'll even be presenting a four-hour workshop. Don't worry, it's in two parts about how to defuckify your dating and create a profile and a life that weeds out what you don't want and attracts what you do. Registration is open now. And the first 500 people get in free, so don't hesitate. Get registered at datingkinky.com slash dating dash love dash event. It's a great opportunity to learn from the people you love about the people you hope to love. I know it's on my Valentine's Day calendar. Chocolates are optional. The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. It's kinky done differently. women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun conversation about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy. With questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. It's a look into the beginning of traditional and non-traditional relationships, from first impression to the messaging that finally wins people over. Today on the show, we break from our usual format to bring in the host of the podcast, Slip Into Something Uncomfortable. Every week, Chris and Casey bring a topic to the table that is genuinely uncomfortable or non-politically correct to discuss, and they share their thoughts on the topic of race, politics, stereotype, double standards, and one episode in particular that we will discuss called Navigating Genders and Sex. For the purpose of perspective, Chris is from Los Angeles and is the African-American son of a pastor. Casey is a Caucasian woman who lives in Texas and works in an industry that is predominantly male. This perspective will be integral in your understanding of this episode. And if you're one of our fans who like to hear from the sexy people we bring you, I urge you to keep listening as this might be one of the most insightful and important conversations we've had so far. And with that introduction, here are Chris and Casey as our show slips into something uncomfortable. It's the first five. So we're going to slip right into something uncomfortable, Chris. First time you ever met somebody identified as gay or bisexual? The first time would probably be the first time I met my uncle. Um, I've had, I have three gay uncles, um, Aaron, Severin, and John. 
uh, John didn't come out as being gay until about, mm, I want to say five years ago. And uh, my uncle Severin, I never knew, you know what, you know, some, I never knew that uh, they were gay at the time. It was just kind of like, uh, that's my uncle Severin that's always um, dressed nice. You know, that's my uncle Severin that always got his hair done or, oh, that's my uncle Aaron that's kind of like very loud and, um, you know, has a certain kind of character. I didn't see it as gay. So even when the, the first time I was introduced, I didn't know they were gay. I just thought they had different types of characters. I mean, personalities rather. Casey, first question for the first five for you. First time you ever felt truly uncomfortable about something somebody said? Uh, I, well, when I was younger, my parents used to party a lot, but they, it was of the 80s generation where you took your kids to party with you. And I remember um, my dad's guy friends would hit on my mom, even in front of me, thinking that I was just too young to understand and I remember feeling like encroached upon, just kind of violated myself and I felt violated for her. Um, so I, I feel like that might be the first time I really realized that this isn't right. This is, this is a bit much and my dad's right there and those are supposedly his friends. Uh -huh. So I, that's a little heavy, I know. <laughs> And that's what we like to get into on this show, to try to discover new things. Yeah. Chris, first time you were hit on in an inappropriate manner. Inappropriate? Shit. Uh, <laughs> let me see. Inappropriate. You know, uh, man. Uh See, the, what I'm thinking about, I didn't really consider it inappropriate because I liked her. So it was cool with me. Um, as far as I can, as far as a time to where I was like, yeah, I wasn't really, I ain't really feeling that was just me. I, I would say around 18 and uh, walking in the club and um, this girl pinched my butt. And I don't like, don't don't touch my butt. You know, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> like, <don't. laughs> So, and you know, um, it was a heavy set girl. I don't know if you know, you know, you've probably been around the block a couple of times, but uh, big girls, they are not shy and they are very straightforward. So she didn't have no shame with it at all. She, she pinched it. I turned around and she just smiled at me. I'm like, oh man, like, uh, you know, I, I don't really know what to say or do here. Cause I was like, uh, not offended, but I was just bothered <laughs> like, yo. I don't know you. Like, why are you pinching my butt? Out of all things to pinch, you, you chose my butt. And uh, that was probably the first time I could think of to where I was actually uncomfortable, like from somebody like hitting on me or doing something like that. Casey, first time anyone ever sent you an unsolicited, inappropriate picture, like a dick pic. Ooh, back in the MySpace days, um, MySpace? I definitely, MySpace, yeah, MySpace, I had just gotten my boobs, because <laughs> they're fake, <laughs> and I had gotten, um, an older gentleman had found my profile, and he sent me a picture and a friend request, and it, it, it just wasn't, 
I just didn't understand why he would just send a picture of his dick like hard and it wasn't anything to be proud of. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? Like, why you want to be friends? Like, what, is, what do you want to be friends with benefits? Or, I, I mean, I was just pretty naive, but it was just, it was unimpressive and it was, it was funny, but I was also like this poor guy, like, is that the only thing that he knows how to talk about? I, I don't know. And I just, I just replied back with, oh, honey, like, that's, that's not how you communicate. <laughs> and I was 19. <laughs> it's like, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, <laughs> and he was older and he was just like, oh, honey, that's what we do. <laughs> Last question in the first five, and this one will be for both of you. Best way to make a first impression. You want to go, Chris? Best way to make a first impression. Uh, be yourself. Be yourself and smile. Uh, you can't really go wrong with a smile. And um, if you are a good person, uh, you can't go wrong with being yourself. So I would just say, yeah, be yourself and smile. And uh, that should take you places. And if you're going to smile, definitely smile where it's heartfelt. And you smile with your eyes, not just your teeth. Don't just grin because that's creepy as fuck. <laughs> right Especially, i'm learning a whole yes. new language I'm, I'm i'm learning a whole new language with this eyes because you you start to like just notice things and you're getting you're communicating but just with your eyes you know it's it's, it's weird like covid definitely has opened my eyes no pun intended <laughs> Time to where we get to know you a little bit better. You all both co-host the show, slip into something uncomfortable. Tell us a little bit about the show, Chris, and how you all came up with the idea. And then Casey, if you want to add anything, just go right ahead because that's what you all do on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, we came up with the show, me and Casey, we, we talk a lot and we debate a lot. And uh, we're very different in a lot of different ways, uh, but that has not that has not diminished our friendship or anything of the sorts. So we're able to um, have disagreements and have debates and still be friends afterwards. And um, there's a lot of things that we agree on and a lot of things that we are confused on that we will just we sat back and we just talk about and we would think to we would say to ourselves like, man, you know, like. Uh, this would be a good discussion. Like these things are stuff that I think everybody thinks about or everyone wants the answers to. Um, you know, it'd be cool if we had a show or if we started something. Uh, I believe Casey came up with that idea. And um, from there, we just, you will talk about it here and there. And um, eventually, you know, it came into a fruition and uh, we started the show. And so the, the show basically is about any and everything that might be a taboo, uh, might be something that's uncomfortable for uh, the normal person to talk to, whether that, uh, talk about rather, whether that be sex, uh, politics, religion, anything of the sorts. Uh, we are here to talk about it and dissect it and try to make it to where it's not uncomfortable and try to make a lot of things that are, um, you know, not talked about more so a norm we can just talk about it freely and openly and not have um, any fear of being judged 
And I think a lot of it too, it's funny because a lot of people won't know this and this might be a, an eye-opening thing for a lot of people. I met Chris because he was dating a friend of mine who that friendship is no longer around, but mm. I was kind of interviewing him as her friend, like, okay, let's see what this guy's really about. And so he and I would get into debates. We also worked at the same place and it was just like, like I, I, I had a secret agenda and he didn't mm. know that. He doesn't know that until now. So he's just learning this right too. <laughs> um, but it was just, it was one of those, like I didn't have any inhibitions getting to know him because I wasn't trying to impress him as someone I was trying to date or someone I was trying to be friends with. It was just someone I was trying to be honest with and get his honest, actual human side too. So it was, it was like a real, a real bonding experience because you don't get that that much these days because someone always has like an ulterior motive. So yeah, like Chris never knew this till now, but I mean, I just figured it out when he was talking and I was like, well, I was kind of like interviewing him to date my friend, but um, in the long run, the more that Chris and I have disagreed about things, the closer it's brought us. And it's, it's funny because today in this world, you don't get that. You get the cancel culture. And the closer it's brought us, and it's actually, um, it's distinguished that friendship with that friend. But that's okay. I mean, that was all on her. If she wants to come back, she can. But um, <laughs> yeah, she, uh, <laughs> no, he and I are more solid than ever. And it's, it's just one of those things. We had this idea a couple years ago, and now it's just everyone's on the bandwagon. So why not jump on it? cancel culture is something that is so very, very difficult because oh, yeah. in this day and age, it's hard to get a second chance. I was raised in the 60s and 70s, went to college in the 80s. So I went through the free spirits and understood what that was all about. Now yeah. we have a society that's a little more uptight from time to time and will basically blow you off or not have anything to do with you if you just do one thing wrong but luckily yeah. there are people that have broader minds and that's actually what this show is a lot about is how people communicate with each other when they want to form traditional or non-traditional relationships and in listening to the episode in for the first week of December Chris I understand that there are a lot of different relationships that you may not have a comfort level with yeah 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 there is there is um i you know with a lot of stuff i just go strictly off of instinct and i don't really pay attention to i guess what people say basically what people say as far as how i should feel or how i should think or you know look at it this way or that way um, if it just, if it makes, if I'm uncomfortable, it's simply, it's almost impulse. You know, it's not necessarily because I'm, I'm judging. It's because it just is something to me in, in my mind, naturally it throws me off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's something I would like people to understand is that, you know, if I say that I'm uncomfortable with something or something makes me uneasy, it's not necessarily because I'm looking at you and I'm, I'm judging or I'm disgusted or, you know, anything like that is just my natural response. 
Casey, I can tell from talking to you and now seeing you for the first time, you are definitely a free spirit. <laughs> Thank you. You seem to have an understanding about a lot of different things. This makes for a very interesting friendship between the two of you, I would guess. It does. And you know what? Like I said, it, the, the more that we have between us, the more close we are, as weird as that is. And I, I can't say that about many people. Um, I just, I don't, I think moving to Texas a few years ago, it really opened my eyes to a lot of the people that are shut down in the world. And I just, I don't want to be that. I don't want my kids to be that. So I'm, I'm trying extra hard to go out of my way to get out of my comfort zone. And the more I get out of my comfort zone, the more I realize I'm more comfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm more welcomed. I'm more, it's more open. It's, it's more, it's just better. <laughs> yeah. I I'd say beyond COVID and beyond a lot of things that happened in 2020, that 2020 was the summer of being uncomfortable. People yeah, had to live up to history. People had to recognize who they were and where they stand. Mm -hmm. Does that make this show that you all are doing the right show at the right time? I think so. I think, um, you know, I, I think this show was necessary a long time ago mm -hmm. uh, because I feel that uh, people have been trying to be politically correct for a while. And I believe that there's been a lot of topics and things of that nature that people did not want to discuss. So I definitely think that it is um, something that we needed today, you know, and the more, the more sensitive that the culture is right now, the more so I believe that we need this. Yeah. And I just, it's something, it's funny. Cause it's like, I have these epiphanies at the end of each episode, no matter what the topic, it's just like, well, if you're going to be a dick, you're going to be a dick, whether it's about, you know, sex or politics or religion or Black Lives Matter or, um, I mean, any you could throw any label or any topic at anyone. And the, the more that it's uncomfortable, the more you're going to realize if someone's going to be a jerk, they're going to be a jerk. And if they're going to be cool, they're going to be cool. And it just, like Chris said, this should have been around a long time ago because we're trying to navigate and prove to the world that you don't have to cancel. You don't have to stop being friends or family, especially during the holidays, especially during a pandemic. So the timing, I mean, I, th I think it was just coincidental, but it hopefully it works in our favor. <laughs> well, you know, um, another thing is why I think this is a good time. People have a lot more times on their hands to sit back, think and listen. And, um, you know, actually hopefully form their own opinion. Because um, honestly, um, if anything, something that I've seen over the last like three or four years since Facebook has gotten so big is conformity. Everybody is following what somebody else is doing. They're agreeing with the, a group, a crowd. You know, they, they want that social acceptance and they believe they find it on Facebook. And, um, you know, as long as they can find a group of people that all comment and think the same way they do, they feel that they're accepted. And so they don't want to be kicked out of that group by disagreeing with something that that group um, believes in. So they conform and it kind of is it's been pushing away uh, individuality and um, you're not seeing too many people that are just originals. 
It's just mm-hmm. a whole bunch of copies. And that's that's something that I feel I really, really wanted to uh, to break is to hopefully get people to be more themselves and not the next person next to them. I find this kind of funny, especially after listening to your show on genders and sex, <laughs> where you're saying you don't want everybody to be carbon copies of each other, right. yet there are people who are having actual epiphanies in their life, and pardon me for using the, the religious term there, but people are able to express themselves like they haven't been able to express themselves before. Uh-huh. And I will bring this into the context of a, an article that I wrote on, uh, on FetLife, which is the social media of kinky people. Mm-hmm. And it was called, It's Time to Cancel Catsuit, because Catsuit is my name within the scene. Right. And the article talked about the fact that in 1981, when I went to a very hoity-toity uh, college, there was a group called the Gay and Lesbian Student Support Organization that was trying to get campus funds. Mm. 1982, mind you. Oh. <laughs> That's what I was born and, and <laughs> I am out there in front going, why are these blanks, and I'm not going to say the word here because it is offensive, why are these blanks thinking that they should have our money? Why this? Why that? And I was as obnoxious as they can come. Mm-hmm. Right. Me at 57 is a lot different. Uh, learning, especially through being in the theater community where I had a lot of gay and lesbian and bisexual friends. The fact that I actually have a pansexual daughter now. Mm. The fact that I've learned to be free within the kink community where you have polyamorous people, you have monogamous people, you have straight, bi, pan, and then this rainbow of genders that not everybody understands. But if you look at me back in 1982, I was an asshole. Bottom line, (laughs) I was an asshole. Right. I think people learn as they move forward through life who they become and and what to understand. So I guess my reason for saying this is you guys talk about cancel culture and how it's so difficult. But can you see how some people on the other side might say, well, if you don't understand about me and you won't take the time to learn about me, then maybe I don't have the time to learn about you. That's a really good point. I've never thought of it that way. Um, And that could be whether it's sexual orientation or gender or race. I mean, I, I could take that a number of different ways. I'm just Democrat and Republican Mm -hmm. this year. Like, if you're not going to understand me, you're not going to listen to me. I'm not going to listen to you. So I just, it's been a big year, like you said, and it's just, I don't really know where I'm going with this thought, but yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I wish that I could make everyone, if I, there was an episode that we had that it was just like, if you had three wishes, what would they be? And I wish I could go back and change that one wish to be, I just wish more people, I did say empathy, but I wish that I could go back and further on that about 
more empathy and understanding. And I just wish that people would have more of an open mind and um, consider not, not everyone chooses to be where they are. Not everyone has the choice or the ability to choose um, what's going on. And I mean, it just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm trying to be politically correct, but I'm trying not to be either. I'm trying to be like completely authentic and I just, I don't have the words for it. Just say whatever's coming to your to your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I want to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, but Casey, I want to tell you that I gave a TEDx talk once and the oh. last words of the speech were love, kindness, and hugs. If you don't give it, you just don't get it. I like that. There was another saying that I heard uh, a couple years ago. It was let love lead. And I think mm -hmm. that it pertains to any sort of situation. Just let love lead. And I think that cool. it, it totally uh, mirrors what you were saying. And I love, that's really interesting. I'm going to have to go look for that TED Talk because I love <laughs> TED Talks. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> so to understand and to talk to somebody about um, a certain aspect of um, their life and uh, how they live it if it's something that does not pertain to me if it does not affect me I'm not that interested in um, finding out more about it um, really the the reason why I feel that way is because I'll treat you the same regardless mm -hmm. um, you being you know, saying that you're uh, whatever kind of gender, if it's not, you know, the norm, uh, I pro I'm not going to treat you any differently. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I don't necessarily need, for me, in my head, it's like, well, I don't really need to dig any deeper than that. I just see him as a him or her as a person. And if they're a good person, then, you know, we're good. And, you know, I'll act accordingly. If they're a bad, then likewise, I'll act accordingly and I don't want anything to do with you. You know, it's uh, almost kind of like the thing you were saying with um, uh, being in the kink world. So I'm not in the kink world, right? Like I'm not into uh, a lot of the, the dominatrix and things like that. But if I have a friend that is, I'd be like, I'd be thrown up like, wait, so what do you do? And, you know, he'll might have tell me a couple of things like, oh, all right, all right. And then I'll just go on about just going about the day and going about our friendship. And that's mm -hmm. pretty much as far as I would go. You know, like I'm not going to dive deeper and like ask, you know, why are you that way? How'd you get into it and all that kind of stuff? Just like, oh, OK, like I see what you do. Got it. And then I move forward. Like I won't I, I have no interest in learning more because I don't think I'm not going to treat you differently either way. I once was made a part of a diversity workshop. They had one person from each department at this uh, place that I worked that were required to go to a diversity workshop. And I said the first time that I, it was mandatory for me to go, I said, I resent a little bit being here. If I have one prejudice in the world, it is a prejudice against stupid people who do stupid things and don't think. <laughs> right. <laughs> I said, I tend not to see color. I see people. Right. I don't tend to see labels. I see humans. Right. And, it, and this is what you all talk about in your show. 
I'm about to say a black woman said, or do I say an African-American woman said? Mm -hmm. Right. You see where I'm going here, where my right. mind is. Yeah. Just she, don't say colored. Right. She said to me, <laughs> and, and I understand that, but what is, what is the name of the advocate group for all African-American people? I don't know, man. I, I, I guess, you know, it's just. What, what, what does the NAACP stand for? Oh. National. Oh. I don't even know. The National for, Association um, for Association. the Advancement of Colored, Colored people. people. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me is quite ironic. I'm not it saying is. anything that isn't a public knowledge there, but there's something that's uncomfortable. And Chris, the fact that you didn't know that yeah, kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> because as a white cis male, as somebody who has lived with privilege all my life, I grew up in society. I mean, high society where people, you know, raised pinkies on the teacups and all that sort of <laughs> right. stuff. And I heard even my, my grandfather use derogatory terms. Uh -huh. And I was able to grow up and have a, a good mind about it. So getting back to this story, this, this, and I will just say black woman said to me, John, I have a question for you. And I said, yes, what is it? Would you let your daughter marry a black man? And I said, why the hell not? Right. And as I was driving home, I had a George Costanza moment. <laughs> I, I love said, Larry David. I know he's based Damn, on him. So. I should have said, and if she married a black woman, it would be even better. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> but my point was that because I was an older white male, she assumed that I would have a problem with that. Uh -huh. And it would be the last thing in the world I'd have a problem with. Uh -huh. So I think the misunderstanding that goes on and the fact that especially with Black Lives Matter and especially with any lives that happen to be wanting to be communicated with better, it's all about understanding them a little bit more. It's all about trying to put yourself in their mindset. Mm -hmm. I will blow your minds by sharing a story that I've shared here on the show before about the reason that I am kinky. <laughs> and the reason I am kinky is that the first, my parents never gave me the talk when I was growing up. Mm. So the first time I ever achieved an orgasm, I was watching Catwoman tie up Batman. And that's what turned me on. Oh. And I had an orgasm, but I didn't know what it was. Mm. Second time, Batgirl shows up and I have an orgasm and it's like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> and by the time I knew what it was, that was the thing that had been clicking in my mind. Does that make oh. me odd? Does that make me strange? Does that make me deviant or whatever? No, it makes me a person that unfortunately for me to live a normal life in everybody else's terms, very difficult to be able to get beyond that because it was imprinted in my brain when I was 12 years old. 
Oh, okay. So when we get back to things that are like non-binary or gender fluid, there are some things that will happen in people's minds. For instance, me at age 12, wondering if it was the skin tight clothing that turned me on, mm-hmm. which is why they call me catsuit. I was just going to ask. <laughs> yes. And why that happens, I didn't have a choice. That was in my brain. I actually thought a, a lot of times when I was growing up that, uh, especially in puberty year, years, 12, 13, that, ooh, it, wouldn't it be really cool to be able to, to sleep in leotards and tights or in a cat suit when I grow up and not have to worry about that? And wouldn't that be great? And most people would go, well, wouldn't that make you a cross-dresser who is into wearing women's clothes and make you a sissy and blah, 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 and go on, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until a few years ago when somebody explained to me, John, you're, you, it's not so much about you wanting to be a woman. It was you wanting to feel desirable. Oh. And that just opened my eyes and I was like, damn. Yeah, so Chris, what I'm asking you to think about is, and we'll talk about this maybe on your show when you revisit non-binary and gender fluid is sometimes people do not have a choice in the matter. It's what they have, the experiences they've had in their brain that tell them something's not right. Right. I have a great non-binary friend, uh, Fall Bunny, who, when you look at them, is a gorgeous female body. But when they look at themselves, they think everything's wrong. I mean, in their mind, this is not right. And they will go through surgery to change things. Yet I have another non-binary friend who wasn't sure which gender that they fall fell under and took testosterone to the point where it it got them to a point where they were comfortable with being themselves wasn't it about any body changes or anything but just needed this balance right so there's a quick there is a a quick lesson on how non-binary isn't necessarily something that somebody just calls themselves there are people that literally don't have a decision in it and i'm going to get off my soapbox now but we I, this is me slipping into something uncomfortable <laughs> well you know that, i i like that you brought that up and how you talked about basically the imbalance and um how you know someone went and got um testosterone to help them out and somebody else uh the the first person um they just they feel a certain kind of way even though on the outside they look great but in the inside, they don't see that. Um, it was um, something I told Casey earlier in a discussion where I said, well, that's a, it's a disorder. And it's a disorder in every sense of the word. But I think that that word has such a negative uh, relationship with, with everybody's um, mind that nobody wants to label it as that. And um, my only issue is with a lot of things is that people don't want to acknowledge the fact that um, something in my head is, is telling me to do the opposite of what I should do or something 
in me is has me going left, but at the same time, I'm trying to go right. And it's like, it's, it's chaos going on in, the, in their head. And sometimes they might need something, uh, whether it be counseling, uh, um, whether it be uh, any type of medication to help balance them out. You know, so I've, I've kind of come to the point to where I acknowledge all those things. And that's why, despite, you know, my upbringing in the church and things like that, I try to have a better understanding and outlook when it comes to uh, other people and their, their genders or their sexuality. I might not agree with it, but I can understand a little bit. You know, I can, I can understand a little bit on um, what they might go, might have gone through or what they are going through or just them simply feeling this is me, you know, and it's like, I'm not going through anything. This is just simply me. And, you know, that's fine. But um, back in the day, I wouldn't have been able to look at them and, you know, just, you know, felt okay with the situation. But now I'm just more so a little bit more open, you know, to understanding. Let's put things and I hope you all will talk about this in a future episode, because I am quite a mental health advocate as well. Mm-hmm. My daughter uh, was one of the first children that was ever diagnosed as bipolar by one of only four doctors in the entire country that would diagnose someone who was a child as bipolar. I'm bipolar. Massive high anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the way that I would describe her to my friends who just said, well, isn't she just behaving badly? Mm-hmm. I said, imagine walking up to the window of the most beautiful department store in the world and every one of your dreams is on the other side of that window and you can see everything of your dreams and what you want. Mm -hmm. But your mind is telling you as soon as you open that door, monsters are gonna come out and attack you. Mm -hmm. There's no choice in that matter as to how a person can feel because I would always say, Charlotte, just go through the door. It's fine. You'll be fine. Everything you want is over there. All you have to do is go through yet. The terror is there. I've suffered from depression for a lot of my life. No reason why, because I'm one of the happiest people. A lot of people know, but I think there's certain things that people will label because they don't understand more than anything. Uh, so I don't know how, if mental health has been one of the topics you guys have gone back and forth on, but it's something that I would encourage you all to take a look at because the stigma that is there is as serious as if somebody dislocates their knee, they can't do anything about it unless somebody helps them. Right. So why don't we treat one like the other? I'm preaching now. I want to hear from you guys. My apologies. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I completely agree because I've actually been uh, diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder and anxiety and OCD and ADHD. So I've got all those under my belt. Um, I'm (laughs) medicated for all those things. I've been dealing with those things for as long as I can remember. I completely agree. And that's another reason that I think that this is a good um, platform for us because I do want to end the stigmas around certain things. And I do know that a lot of people might have the mindset of 
well, it's just all in your head or you chose that or no, I, I, I know personally you, you don't. And I'm trying to end that stigma. I'm trying to bring that to the masses. I'm trying to remind people like you didn't choose to be straight. So when did someone choose to be gay and vice versa and with other things too, but I just, I, <laughs> I feel like I got a, a soapbox myself, which I did not mean to do. I just, it's fine. I feel like, um, I feel like there's, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that needs to be said, especially in the demographic that I'm surrounded by being in Texas. And I just, and working at Fort hood, um, I just, I'm around a lot of machismo and retired veteran and men have to be men, women have to be women. And I just, it makes me every day decide more and more that we have to end the stigmas. We have to I have a son and daughter and I don't want them to be pigeonholed into something that they're not. And if that's, you know, whether it's normal or average or not, I, I, they need to be loved. And I think that everyone deserves love. So, um, yeah, again, I don't know really where I was going with that, but I, I know but that what there's you were a... saying was beautiful. Thank Just you. <laughs> Chris, just... I'm going, Chris, I'm going to label you now. That's right. As the first <laughs> cis male that has ever appeared on what women and other wonderful humans want oh. what is, uh cis is uh that's... that means you were born a male and oh. Oh, excuse me a cis straight male you were born a male you identify as a male and you are a, you date someone that is of the opposite gender of you first one that's ever been on this show other than the host oh well, <laughs> cool Congrats. <laughs> so I ask you this question. This show was started because I had so many women friends that were sick and tired of the way men would send them unsolicited messages, immediately expecting sex or immediately expecting some sort of entitlement, like I'm good for you, so you need to have me. You don't okay. seem to me like that kind of a pushy person. And there's also oh. the thing of not all men, meaning there are some good men in the world. And we've actually been able to talk to an author about that to mm -hmm. understand that more. Right. So Chris, as the first cis straight male that we've had on the show, <laughs> the floor is yours. Defend men. <laughs> oh man um not that oh, i'm putting any pressure on you at right all. right right i'm you know, slipping into something uncomfortable you know <laughs> for me to defend men i might be offending women um because uh, a lot of the mentality that men have nowadays i believe is at fault of a lot of women um I'll say this, me, myself, as you stated, I'm not really the type of guy to uh, be pushy. I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing it. Um, the last four or five, really all of any, any girl that I've ever been with, I didn't pursue. They, um, they had hit me up first. I haven't, I'm not really the type to really go out and chase. I'll introduce, I'll say hi and that type of thing, but I don't really chase. Uh, however, um, 
you know, my friends, my brothers and things like that, they, they do that. And it's funny that uh, the example you gave, because a lot of my friends and, um, you know, family members, when they go and they, they talk to a girl for the first time, the first thing they're thinking about is um, sex and um, they expect it and they expect it quickly. And if it doesn't come quickly, it's kind of like, oh, she's whack. Or, you know, I don't know what's up, what's up with that chick. Like she she's on some other shit. And I believe that notion comes from how provocative women now present themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go on um, dating sites, uh, when you go on TikTok, um, it's just filled with a bunch of cleavage. It's uh, filled with, you know, sorry sorry (laughs) no it's fine it's um you know it's filled with a bunch of cleavages it's filled with a bunch of um twerking um you know trying oh just uh, trying to be sexy just too damn hard like they are selling they are not selling their character or personality at all that's not what happens when you're on a dating site in this day and age that's what people do when they try to get to know somebody. They go to on dating sites. I mean, mm-hmm. when they're trying to find a date, they go on dating sites and they go to the profile. And mainly it's um, what's being presented is the physical. And the only thing people usually say about themselves, women on the profile when it comes to themselves is, um, you know, I do this for work. Um, and the famous line, one of the famous lines I used to see all the time, um, if you're just looking for uh, sex, uh, go somewhere else. It's it's almost irritating to read that because it's such a cliche. Like it's on everybody's page. If you just want sex, you're gonna have to go somewhere else. Uh, yada yada yada. All the while, if they find you attractive, and it's not all women, but if they find you attractive, first and second date, you probably having sex, and that's why a lot of dudes don't have a certain level of respect. Uh, for a lot of women is based off of experience and it's also based off of what they see and it's also based off of what women allow if you don't allow me to do that I can't do it and I am forced to respect you because you're you're putting your foot down and saying no we're not doing that you're gonna wait until I feel comfortable you're gonna wait until I feel like I got to know you enough and you know me enough but it's almost like um not speed dating, but like speed relationship. Cause you know, back in the day, you used to have to be in a relationship to have sex with somebody. Mm-hmm. Like that's used to be how it is. But now that's, it's not, you just need to go on a date. <laughs> you, you're good, you know? So I think that um, women are just as much as fault as men. And um, I put a lot of blame on men too, because they shouldn't be putting as much pressure on women as they do. Um, they should not be glorifying hoes because th- that's what makes good girls turn bad is because the good girls are looking at the bad girls, get all the guys that they want because the those guys, obviously, they're going to go to the easiest target. You know, if you got a target that's five foot away and a target that's 100 foot away and they both in your mind is worth the same amount of points, you're going to shoot at the one that's closest to you, the, the easiest one. So these guys are shooting their shots at these women that's easy. And, um, you know, those are the women that's getting the guys that the good girls want. So the good girls is looking at it like, shit, if that's what they want, let me have a go at it. 
So it's, I don't really, I don't think you can point the finger really at one sex in particular. It's, it's both. So uh, we both need help. Casey, are you just <laughs> ready to go? No, I mean, as a former prude myself who decided at 19 that I just was tired of being a wallflower um, and that I was going to get out there and I got out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> having memory flashbacks. Whatever that means. <laughs> I just, I, I kind of agree with what Chris says because it is glorified. It is, um, it does make you feel sexier, more empowered to have some of that power, some of that control. So I have to agree with him at, on that scale. But uh, I think it's just a human thing. I think it's just, we're coming to the point where we're just, uh, I don't know, we're just, we're finally more comfortable with being ourselves. And I think that a lot of it, a lot of the shame and stuff that we've dealt with over the thousands of years or millions of years or whatever, how old we've been based on epistemology and whatnot. Um, I mean, we used to have Roman bathhouses and now it's just like everyone is super anti-queer, anti-curious, anti-gay. Whereas, you know, whereas if you think about it, like there's just people that from the beginning of time, we've had so much curiosity so I think the more we try to hide it, the more we protest it, the more uh, we fight it, the more it's just seen as like a taboo. And I think that we just need to drop that stigma, drop that place where we're at, drop being on the pedestal that we think we're on, the soapbox, and just come at things with a more open, inquisitive, intuitive mind and just not be so conformist, like Chris says, as to appease the masses, as to make sure that you look cool, to make sure that you don't look weak, that, you know, I just, I think that's one of those things that it's just one of those things we have to uh, grow up on, but that might be my free spirit talking. <laughs> I'm going to place an idea to both of you and get your reaction to it. Okay. If relationships are all about sex, how much time when two people spend time together is about sex and how much is about living? And if you're going to form a relationship with someone, are you going to spend all your time thinking about something that might be 5% of all the time you spend together? Or are you wanting to know more about what's going to make the other 95% worth living? You know, um, that question to me goes more so to my logic when it comes to um, courting somebody because that's why you're supposed to actually date. Uh, you're supposed to get to know somebody. You're supposed to understand their personality, their character, their goals, their ambitions, um, all of these things to see if this is the type of person that you mesh with. And if you can, you can sit down and be silly with, you can be yourself, you can talk and just, you don't have, you can just be in a room with them, chilling, relaxing. You don't have to do anything, but you're, you're happy because uh, you and that 
person you link and you're good that way. Um, sex is something that obviously both people enjoy and that's something that we want to do, but obviously we ain't about to be having sex all day. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a morning, that's an afternoon, that's nighttime, you know, three times a day is cool. And, um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I believe <laughs> now, <laughs> I, be, I believe that, that, that is, uh, initially it's a big thing because initially you get attracted to somebody when you see them. If, uh, you walk in by and some chick is ugly, you pr- in your opinion, let me say unattractive. I don't want to offend nobody, but um, if they're unattractive, more than likely you're not going to talk to them. You're not going to introduce yourself to them. Now, if um, you happen to be in class and that same unattractive person is um, your classmate and being that you guys are in close proximity, you get to talk and you get to know each other. Now, all of a sudden you done built an attraction and it has nothing to do with physical. You know, it's more so mental. And now you can go you can go forward from there, but normally when people, you know, when you introduce yourself to a stranger, you don't know them as just off that first physical um, um, interaction. So that's where I believe the, the sex part comes in because when you see them, you're attracted, you know, your mind start going and your imagination and uh, you know, it's that sexual attraction. And of course you want to have sex with that person, but I don't think that that, should be the end game you know that that shouldn't be the end game that should just be part of the game you know getting to know the person and and, and filling them out that's the best part of the game for me like I used to um you know when I date I like talking on the phone and I loved going on dates to where I didn't feel awkward and we can just talk and chill and have a good time and afterwards you know, if we want to go back to the house, if I had a good time with, if I had a good time with you, I don't really care if I, had, I get to do anything. Like it's like it'll come. And when it does come, it's going to be dope. You know, like that's kind of like, you know, that's, that, that's how I think about it. Like it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be great. And if we get along, I know it's going to come. So I'm not, it's no pressure and I'm not really upset. Cause it's, it's, I know it's going to come cause we we're good, you know, and, um, everything is, is clicking. And I had a relationship similar to this. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't really, shouldn't say too much, but it, it is what it is. Um, there was this, uh, a girl that I met while I was dating, uh, my ex-wife, uh, I met them around the same time. All right. Uh, however, she lives in Germany. Um, now, I continued a relationship with this girl with just talking, no sex involved, just talking. And uh, that bond got so tight and so good that we're still friends to this day. Uh, we did date after I um, got a divorce because I didn't do anything with this girl while I was with my wife. But after I got my divorce, uh, we did date. And, um, you know, that that played its uh its its part in a you know uh that didn't work out but we're still friends and i think we're still friends is because we actually bonded and got into a good relationship that was non-physical for a long period of time and um, we didn't need sex in order to be close 
you know, so to this day, obviously we not, you know, I'm in a completely different relationship, but I'm still close and I'm still cool with that person. And I think it was because of how we formed our relationship to begin with. Did you meet her at a conference? Nah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> nah, I met her on Black Planet. Okay. <laughs> Casey, how about your relationships? Obviously, you are on the receiving end of a lot of messages, I am guessing. Yeah. From your perspective, how comfortable or how uncomfortable is the dating world these days? Well, I've been out of the dating world for a decade now, so mm -hmm. I wouldn't know, but I still do get messages. Most of my messages these days are guys or claiming to be guys uh, saying that they want a sugar baby, which a lot of me is curious enough to be like, well, I mean, if you could give me $600 a week, what should, what do I have to do? <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I'm just glad that I don't have to deal with this as like, uh, an alternate choice as far as marriage or a life choice in today's world. Um, I'm, I don't know what my kids are going to face. I know even with the MySpace days and the Facebook days that I had to deal with, I just, it was a lot of, there's a lot of scary territory and a lot of the people like, let me tell my girlfriend this address and let me find, like, I'm not going to let this guy walk him, you know, walk me to my car. Um, but again, that could be because I was raised as a cop's daughter. So I was hypersensitive, but I think the more digital we get, I think the scarier it gets because you never know who's catfishing. You never know who's true and who's not. Um, so I think it, there's always going to be a caveat. I think there's always going to be a, a scary, mm, just a, I'm just glad that I don't have to do it. And I really regret that my kids have to do it. I'm hoping that we go back to basics and in the next 10, 20 years, we go back to courting and we go back to getting to know someone and then, you know, spending more time and it's not just about sexual, physical attraction. It's, it's gotta be about everything, but you do have to have that sexual, physical attraction. So, I mean, you have to have everything. It's, oh, yeah. it's not a right combination unless you have everything. Otherwise the recipe, I mean, if there's no eggs, it goes flat. So. I will tell you that as you get older, and now I'm sh I'm sounding like I'm a little older than I might actually be. <laughs> but as you get older, at least in my personal experience, I have discovered that the amount of love that I have is not finite. Right. It has nothing to do with sex, but it has everything to do with the fact that I form deep connections with people. Mm -hmm. and genuinely care about them. And a lot of the reasons why I do this show is so people can understand each other more. Mm -hmm. I am a straight male. I'm 57 years old. I have, I was married for 20 years. Uh, I, in all honesty, am still married because of wanting to make sure that my family is taken care of with insurance and things like that, because when I left, it was for my well-being and my stress level. Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with the fact that I did not love her because I still love her. And I think she's a wonderful woman and she's been a great mom to the kids. Mm -hmm. But 
what I discovered is that the attachment that I have with so many people needed to be expressed. Nothing to do with sex, everything to do about the connection. I could talk to you guys and gals for another hour or two or three. <laughs> but I think we will bring this episode to a close knowing that we're going to pick up this conversation either on your show or another episode of this show, because I think by having different viewpoints, that's what enables us to understand each other. And I hope that through this show, I know that I understand the two of you a lot more, but I hope that I've put something in your brains and in your heart that allows you to understand people who may not be traditional a little more. I love that. I, I'm yeah. so curious. Um, I told you offline that I actually had read a really good article recently about polyamory and the different uh, labels that people are using for different types of relationships. And I am so curious and I even, I'm risking a lot just by saying this, but I would love <laughs> to fall down that rabbit hole <laughs> and discuss and learn more. Chris, I know you're not going to be falling down any rabbit holes anytime <laughs> soon, but uh, I hope you I'm enjoyed this. I'm, I'm willing to learn because look, learning does not mean that I need to, I have to participate. So I don't, I don't mind learning and uh, educating myself and that stuff because at least I'll know what I'm talking about if I do have to have a debate or a discussion with somebody in regards to it. You know, I won't be blind and I also won't be ignorant. So I'm, I'm, I'm fine with learning. So tell us how we can hear the show and social media links and all that good stuff. Here's your chance to promote your show. You want to go, Chris? <laughs> oh, you the man. Uh, you you are uh, you the woman. I don't. Woman. <laughs> when it when so, it comes to this. So we have an Instagram page. It's called. It's at slip into something uncomfortable. I know it's long and tedious, but we tried to go with sis you, and it didn't sound that great. So <laughs> we have a website, slip into something uncomfortable .com, that we have not updated, but we plan to do within the new year. Uh, we're hoping the holidays gives us some time and reprieve to do that. Um, we don't have a Twitter or a Facebook at this point in time because I'm super anti-Twitter and Facebook and I've been running the Instagram mostly <laughs> as yeah. Casey. So um, the more interaction we get, the more we'll decide if we need to have other social media platforms. Um, we would love to have you on our as our first guest. I, I swear I can speak for both of us. I'm sure uh, we would love to have you as our first guest. So we would love to explore more things. We want to slip into things uncomfortable. And basically the, the topics, um, they come to us as we go. And on paper, we are complete opposites, Chris and I. And in our hearts, we are still complete friends. And it, that's, you know what? We got to bring the world together and just remember we're all human, no matter what. Doesn't matter what what it says on paper, but we're all human and we all have the best intentions in our minds. So um, thank you for everything. Thank you for reaching out and thank you for having us. It's been my pleasure. Chris, Casey, I believe this is the start of a beautiful talking friendship. I think for so. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> <For sure. laughs>
you were great talking. And I wanted, I, I want to send your daughter you. some bipolar hugs. Like, I love you, and you're totally going to just survive this. Trust me. It's going to make the whole world a more beautiful place eventually. I promise. Following the show, I had a chance to talk with Casey online, hoping that Chris didn't think I was too much of a jerk in my line of questioning. With our community of wonderful humans, this episode struck a chord and really amplifies the fact that education is the way we can best understand each other. And that's why we do the show that we do. I thank them both for bringing their candor and being with us on this episode. Another memorable episode. And for others, check out our archives for interviews that have been called insightful, truthful, and enlightening with people from sex workers to authors to content producers, to everyday humans like you and me. Subscribe, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts or join us at Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or TuneIn. And if you have a suggestion for a future show, please drop me a line at john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. That's john at datingkinky.com. I'm John, known to some people as Hi There, Catsuit, thanking you for being with us for What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and reminding you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.